Truth Espresso, episode 196. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso, to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. <sighs> this is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hey there, Truth Espresso fans, and uh, welcome any family who listen, and friends alike, and lurkers, you know who you are, but welcome anyway. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Truth Espresso, and uh, we are continuing a series on slander, and we're continuing what we started last week, which was a, a part of that having to do with dealing with slander against a spouse, and so, yeah, if you're just tuning in... Check out last episode, check out the whole series. Hey, binge listen to the entire library of True Espresso episodes. We'd appreciate that, but... So before we begin, I'd like to just mention in passing that recently, September 11th was the anniversary of the bombing of the World Trade Center, the attacks there, blowing up the building. And so, yeah, I know the motto about that was, we will never forget. And so let's never forget what happened there. At least 3,000 people were killed there. And so there were plenty of family and friends who had to mourn losses at that time. We also need to keep that as an object model to remember that not all threats are foreign invasions. So, you know, we can't let our guard down about, you know, all the thousands and even millions of people who can be affected here through domestic issues and tyranny that we see happening, you know, pretty quickly around here in this country. But mentioning that so sweetheart my beautiful sweet co-host and wife chelsea is here to continue the series and so thank you for doing this with me ready to talk more about slander and marriage babe (laughs) yes and thanks for letting me join in on this so last episode we talked about some of the ways in which a spouse might react or respond kind of in a slanderous way a husband or wife might react that way to each other and we were also talking about ways in which we do tear down our spouse and we ended on that we have a few of those left to cover and so the first way that we tear down our spouse we'll discuss this time is a spouse that can be absent So not that they're separated or divorced, but in the sense that they're still there, but they just kind of check out when they're there, Mm -hmm. staying away from the spouse or family or just not engaging with your spouse or even with your kids when you're at home. And I think that unfortunately, we see a lot of men struggle with this. And I don't want to put like all the blame or pointing the finger at men. It's something that we need to be aware of as women, too, that we don't do the same thing and also that we're not participating in our spouse shutting down when they come home or just kind of overwhelming them with how our day went right when they walk in the door. Sometimes that can cause your husband to kind of pull away and be like, okay, this is overwhelming (laughs) and 
um, just be kind of absent from there. So we just have to be aware of how we approach each other and being aware of we do need some space away sometimes, and that's good. And the Bible talks about that. But at the same time, we don't want to just totally disconnect from our family either because that's not good. Yeah, definitely. So you are because we see a lot of problems, a lot of marriages where an excuse for a husband might be like, it seems like the trend gets toward like working late, you know, really late. And it's like not necessary. You know, So some husbands will just do that as an excuse. And it seems like an excuse to be able to hide behind because it's like, hey, you know, uh, I'm working really hard here, working long and hard for you, you know, and our kids. But it's really taking his time to get home or maybe like hanging out, doing things with friends or coworkers or whatever, like just making excuses by trying to have a, you know, more fun or easy time away from home. And it may kind of in some ways be a nonverbal form of slander, I guess, you know, because it's like indirectly tell your wife or your spouse, I don't want to be around you because I don't feel loved or uh, you're not as fun or just, okay, it's just so much of a drain or a challenge to have to come to kids or whatever. You know, there could be plenty of fathers who are like that. And so, yeah, I mentioned before, you know, <laughs> husbands, fathers, some jobs, you're going to have longer days than others, but it should be that you're trying your best to make sure you wrap up your work. And if you're going to be a little late or, you know, let your wife know, be able to explain it. But as much as you can, if you're not required to work, get home. <laughs> and once you get home, it's not your time to just check out. As you mentioned, sweetheart, you know, sure, you might be tired, but so is your wife. So get there, help out, watch the kids do something that communicates communicates that you love your wife and your children more so than trying to avoid. <laughs> I think, I mean, even for both husband and wife, that is something to think about as well as making our home a place where it feels like a safe mm. environment yeah. and it's a welcoming place. It's a place of peace <laughs> where the spouse wants to come home. They can't wait to get home. And it's not like, oh, man, I don't want to go home because the kids are going to be screaming and fighting and jumping all over me. And my wife's going to be pulling her hair out. And I mean, it can even happen the other way. Like if the wife's coming home and the husband's overwhelmed with the kids and then he's like, here, take the kids and runs off. <laughs> and like, I mean, we just have to really think about those situations. And those are hard situations. It takes work. This is something that is not easy I think being absent is one of the kind of easy yeah. routes to just be like, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to sneak out here and not get involved. But that's not how we should approach our spouse. I'm trying to remember the verse in Proverbs where it talks about that it'd be... Is it better to dwell on the yes. ho the something like the housetop or whatever than with a contentious woman or something like that? Okay. Yes, <laughs> something <exactly>. to that <laughs> effect. <laughs> yeah. So just, I mean, for both parties, like <laughs> yeah. making sure it isn't a place of 
mm. constant fighting and just not peaceful because yeah. then that drives this part of it. Yeah, because I'm sure that verse could apply to the contentious man because, you know, you think of the imagery of the father who goes to the bars, you know, after work, comes home, he's drunk and angry and he abuses and throws and smashes things. You know, that's that's no environment for a wife or children there. But yeah, so the verse, even though it's applying to a particular situation, it's applicable to, you know, any situation where there's anyone who's contentious. So then the next one, it's kind of along the lines of absence, but it's a negative silence. And we'll put a link to an article called Silent Storm When Your Spouse Won't Talk by Todd Foley. This is from uh, Focus on the Family Canada. And so some of the points from this are kind of gathered from this article for negative silence. So under negative silence, the first point, point A, is uh, avoidance or peace at all costs. So sometimes this can be where you think you're doing the right thing by avoiding because you really don't want to hurt your spouse. Could be like there's fear there. I mean, I could find myself in this kind of situation because I'm very guilt conscious, you know, and so I'm someone who's like, oh, if it's possible not to be guilty of something, I want to avoid it because I don't like the feeling of guilt. But but if I'm doing so by neglecting the needs of a spouse, that doesn't help at all. Like you can't wish a problem away by running away from it. (laughs) Avoidance can also lead to like passive aggressive behavior. And yeah, this type of thing, if you know people who are very passive aggressive as adults, often they've had experiences in their childhood where they've had to figure out how to live under the radar, figure out how to avoid very difficult situations. And so how they avoid it is by not being direct because they'd often get punished for being direct. And so they'd have to be more indirect, more subtle with how they try to get things in their favor. And so avoidance, yeah, definitely can lead to passive aggression, which that's another one of the points that we'll talk about. But yeah, so we need to be direct. We need to be willing to discuss issues with our spouse and the family that prays together stays together. You can't hide the difficulties just in your heart. That's what marriage is for, is to be able to discuss openly, not run away from your problems. But if you have a problem, your spouse should be your best friend. And so it should be the person you can have the most confidence in to confide your silent issues with. I think this point is the hardest one to read without feeling like, oh man, I struggle with this a lot. But just having that sense of you want peace at all costs and trying to think that through if we're not having discussions about things that are going on or things that we should change, then we're actually enabling the bad habits or the poor attitude or whatever is going on. We're enabling that to continue. And unfortunately, that behavior is not good either. So it's like, oh, you don't want to hurt the other person. But at the same time, you can't just like let a certain behavior or whatever is going on just continue. And so when we have discussions with each other about something that we're wanting to give attention to, 
it's so important that we discuss it with kindness mm. and with yeah. grace. Mm. And there are so many Bible verses that talk <laughs> yeah. about, I mean, this whole series about not being quick to speak or just how important it is, not only what we say, but how we say it. So just showing our spouse, and I know we've talked about this a little bit before in communication stuff, but when you're going to bring something up, never being accusatory. So mm-hmm. saying, you do this. <laughs> or, <Yeah. laughs> and this was kind of part of our slander too yeah. earlier, like you always, mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> or um, you never. <laughs> yeah. You know? And those are all ways that we're going to slander or put down our spouse right away. And that's not speaking with kindness or grace, but being like, you know, when this situation happens, that really made me feel like this and kind of talk about it. Or can you help me understand what you meant by this when you said this and (laughs) (laughs) just clarifying and approaching it to where you're trying to get that understanding. It's not that you're trying to attack or say, I told you so, or... How could you say that? Because those are all the slander things we just talked about. Yeah. We're just trying to understand each other. And we know, okay, our intentions, for the most part, are not for evil <laughs> towards each other and our spouse. This is in general. There are, of course, situations where that is the case, unfortunately. But in general, like our intentions are not to harm our spouse. Mm. And sometimes it doesn't come across that way. So just being willing to be vulnerable with your spouse and be like, can we clarify this? Because the way I heard it, I'm sure wasn't how you meant it. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good points there, sweetheart. And yeah, so avoiding definitely doesn't help <laughs> because yeah, avoiding the problem and not discussing it can lead to the problem ballooning. And then let's see, you mentioned in the notes here about like bad habits or destructive habits, and it could even be petty habits, but say like a habit is just it could be really annoying. So how do we resolve that? So depending on whether you're the one who's affected by the habit or the one who does the habit, you know, mm-hmm. you should be able to take care of that. So if you're affected by the habit, as you mentioned, so we are talk about it with grace, talk about it, maybe like, how can I help with this? Because this isn't helping us. So you know, maybe there's a way to involve me in maybe setting up rewind. Re- I can't talk, (laughs) setting up reminders or just like, you know, checking in or just, okay, if I see something, I'll just let you know, like, okay, say the habit is the husband just leaves his socks on the floor. I know it's kind of a quintessential bad habit for like a lazy husband or something, you know, you could say, excuse me, the basket is like two feet away. Why don't you show your basketball skills and toss it in there, you know? But Or just, he might be one of those bachelors who's up until he got married, who never, it never affected anyone. He didn't care, but now he should care. And so, yeah, like realize, okay, you know, approach it with grace. Like, okay, how can I help, you know, remind you and help to kind of overcome this? Because it's a matter of responsibility. But then 
Okay, if you're the guy who has the habit, you know, obviously if you got married, you're thinking about giving up things for the sake of your spouse. So if you could give up things like, you know, you give up money that you earn, you know, in your paycheck for your family. It's a it's an investment in your family. If you could give up personal things, privacy, whatever, you can give up <laughs> a little habit, (laughs) you know? And so if you're willing to defend and go to the mat for a silly little petty habit, yeah, then maybe, you know, you should see a counselor or something like that. But, you know, like socks on the floor or something similar like that is not something to defend at all costs and be willing and open to discuss with your spouse how you could resolve that. The Christian Podcast Community is a cohesive group of like-minded Christian podcasters proclaiming the truths of Christ, truths of Christ with expertise and passion in the areas of theology, church history, Christian living, evangelism, apologetics, parenting, homeschooling, sermons, and much, much more. Much, much more. So check us out at christianpodcastcommunity.org christianpodcastcommunity.org One stop for all your favorite Christian podcasts. Some of my questions about that. <laughs> about socks on the floor? No. Yes. <laughs> okay. Do I put socks on the floor? <laughs> no, okay. you don't. Thank you. <laughs> but thinking about some of those just more petty, maybe annoyances, like, mm. you know, you go to a marriage conference or read a book, then they give the examples of, yeah, the socks on the floor or squeezing the toothpaste versus rolling up the toothpaste tube the way the toilet paper goes on the roll, you know, those are the common examples. But so my question is, are those things that you even have to bring up and Mm. make it a conversation in the first place? Yeah. Like, I think some of it might depend on, I mean, especially with the socks thing, like, (laughs) okay, is the husband intentionally (laughs) trying to just throw it on there because he's like, oh, no one's going to tell me what to do or where to put them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that would be more of like, okay, yeah, they probably need to think of their attitude about that a little more. (laughs) But I think, I mean, if, I don't know, I mean, our boys... (laughs) have a laundry basket and often their clothes are right outside of it and (laughs) i mean i'll remind them like guys let's try and remember to get your clothes in the laundry basket here so it's not on the floor and for guys for guys that could be a lifelong learning process of how to do it correctly but yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i just i'm not sure at some point is there a place where it's like do we even approach this is it that big of a deal type Mm. of thing i don't know if that makes sense (laughs) like yeah Definitely understand the question. And of course, it's a matter of who's willing to listen. If both spouses are willing to listen to things and they're willing to like 
do whatever it takes to make their marriage the best it can be, then if the husband has the habit, he should be willing to say, okay, help me overcome this because I don't want anything I do to be annoying or destructive or whatever. <laughs> I don't want socks burning a hole in the floor or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like some things like maybe there's a habit that's so intuitive or something that it would almost be like nearly impossible to quit or something then that's when you might have to evaluate can i put up with this and but you know whatever the case it's like there shouldn't be a silent battle going back and forth you know like the husband shouldn't be doing a habit out of spite just to make the wife who's trying to put up with it put up with more than necessary yeah <laughs> Well, yes, that's kind of where the part of grace comes in mm, to play yeah. because if we're showing each other grace, then we would have an attitude of, okay, yeah, I have to <laughs> clean up a few more crumbs on the counter after he makes toast or, <laughs> I mean, just things like that. Like I probably make messes elsewhere that he cleans up and he doesn't think twice about it either. I just think that we might need to be careful how often or what we point out with our spouses because you don't want it to become this constant <laughs> nagging type of situation. <laughs> like, yeah. you need to do this. You need to do that. You don't do this. And <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, just trying to think that through a little bit. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> think that, yeah, it comes down to what are people willing to do? What are they able to do? What are people willing to put up with? It's a matter of figuring out each case there. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see. So next point is bitterness. <laughs> So unforgiveness can often lead to bitterness and sometimes we could seek silence and while holding a grudge and have bitterness in our hearts. And so the Bible talks about bitterness, like the first verse that comes to my mind actually, which I don't have in my notes, is uh, it comes from Hebrews where it says, you know, if there be any root of bitterness springing out to trouble you. But uh, I do have some verses that I did put down in our notes. I have Colossians 3.19, <laughs> which is husbands love your wives and be not bitter against them. And I looked up the word bitter and it means bitter, like as in a bitter flavor and it tastes bitter. So James 3.11, and it kind of talks about bitterness. The context is about how out of our mouth comes blessings and cursings. This should not be. James 3.11 says, doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter. And that's the same word there. So yeah, <laughs> bitterness, like bitter words do not taste very good. And <laughs> if we're bitter toward our spouse, that's like you're harboring things from the past and using the past as weapons, you know, become stuck in a place of focusing on what has gone wrong in our lives and expect others to make us happy. And So I was kind of thinking when you mentioned that verse from Hebrews, <laughs> thinking of okay when you taste something bitter oh yeah you know it makes you like want to spew it out oh, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it just doesn't sit right and i was thinking that verse is kind of okay when you're harboring that bitterness inside you can't enjoy mm. the goodness yeah. that is before you so if the husband's harboring that bitterness he can't enjoy his wife mm. and vice versa if the wife is harboring bitterness she's not going to be able to enjoy i mean you're just going to spew that person out 
because you can't enjoy it. You're harboring that bitterness and it's not going to taste good. You can't taste it. Yeah. It overwhelms anything else. Like say you're eating something (laughs) that tastes really good. And then once you put something bitter in your mouth, it just overwhelms the whole thing. And so, yeah, any amount of just harboring bitterness and spewing words of slander that reflect bitterness can just defile the whole atmosphere. (laughs) So I had a lady explain to me one time that holding on to bitterness or unforgiveness is kind of like clenching your fists really tight. (laughs) And God is saying, okay, if you just open your hands and let go of what you're trying to hold on to so tight, I have this beautiful gift for you here. But our problem is we just want to keep our fists clenched and holding on tight and not taking that leap of faith or that trust in that God does have something good for us. We Mm. think that sometimes we know better than God and we're just going to keep holding on to this because it's more comfortable. And then we miss out on that gift that God has for us. Yeah. I think of the imagery of the the illustration of the monkey who reached out of the bars and grabbed onto something and now his fists won't fit back. The, the monkey's trapped as long as he just won't release what he's got you know, in his hands. And so, yeah, holding on to bitterness, sometimes that can be difficult to let go of. But if you just let go, then, you know, yeah, you're a lot better off. You're a lot freer. And just letting go, it doesn't happen overnight yeah, yeah. a lot of times. <laughs> mm-hmm. It can be a process. But recognizing yeah. that you have something to let go of like that <laughs> is a great step. Yeah. <laughs> so our next point for negative silence is busyness and distractions. Oh, this can happen <laughs> frequently in our day and age where we're so busy And unfortunately, this interferes with a true connection with our spouse, and it can lead to missing issues that are right in front of us. This is an area that doesn't come easy. We have got to practice this and work on it. It's something you can't just do once and you're like, oh, we're good. (laughs) But if we don't continue to think about this, then it won't happen. And I think some of the distractions we have, you know, electronic devices, we're working, especially in our age right now with kids, it's like you've got kids going in different directions and work and play and everything else in between. So actually taking the time to sit down with your spouse and make that connection, have that time where you can really see each other and try and find a place where you can hold your hands or make eye contact, just enjoy some quiet time together. That provides so much assurance of each other's love. And I think that for some reason, it makes me think of God creating six days he created on the seventh day, he rested. So God wants us to rest. He wants us to take that time of reflection and connection. And I think that is something that we miss out on. A lot of times we think we have to constantly be doing stuff. I know I feel that way. I'm like, I'm not doing something. I must be missing something. (laughs) But it's like, wait, God wants us to rest. He wants us to take a breath and reflect on his goodness and connect with our spouse, connect with our children. Mm. And that is something that's so important for us. Mm. 
Yeah. We should have a good balance there of being, you know, busy, getting things done, being productive and of relaxing and reflection, focusing there. But if we're all just busyness and like, say, the husband and wife kind of have their own distractions and their own busyness and they're kind of doing their own thing. And then, okay, after all the busyness and distractions are gone, then it's just kind of good night. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's easy for a husband or wife to just grow apart if their lives are kind of separate in that way and they're not like handling challenges together they're just doing them separately and they're knowing each other now more on a surface level rather than deeply and closely knitted together so the busier we are away from bonding with our spouse the more prone i think we could be to slandering our spouse or making jokes or backhanded compliments to other people or on social media about our spouse so yes definitely the solution to a lot of these things just like a lot of issues of slander and stuff is that relationship because most likely the one who slanders his spouse is one who's not getting to know his spouse not being bonded in that peaceful let down time getting to know each other talking together thinking things through together oh and busyness and distractions can definitely subtract from that <laughs> So the next form of negative silence is passive aggression. Now, this is a big one, I think, because I think a lot of these things can lead to passive aggression. And I mentioned that some things from our past can shape people to think and act in a passive aggressive manner. And passive aggression is one of those sinister things that can hurt people. Maybe the person being passive aggressive doesn't realize it, or maybe they do, but it's one of these very sinister, quietly negative type things that hurt people without being as obvious. So it's a silent way to punish or to disagree or sabotage another person. <laughs> so an example of that could be a couple discussing about going to a family gathering and the spouse passively agrees like it's oh hey let's do that i want to do that but inside you really don't want to do that and so meanwhile at the gathering the spouse mopes and complains the whole time and so passive aggressive person is kind of like setting up the spouse to be harmed or disappointed or maybe even vulnerable stuff like that you have anything there for being passive aggressive sweetheart anything to add to that mostly i was thinking of when i was reading parts of this article from a focus on the family i liked how they kind of clarified the difference between avoidance and passive aggression mm. because avoidance you're just like okay i'm not going to say anything because i don't want to mm -hmm. cause any waves in this situation so your intention is you think that you're trying to keep everything peaceful, <laughs> whereas with passive aggression, your intention is actually mm, yeah. to harm the other person mm. through a more passive way. Oh, yeah. And so I think that it can look a little bit similar, but again, the intention part behind it can be different. I know you brought up the example of how sometimes your childhood can shape how you think or react or mm. engage in the relationship with your spouse, but I'm not sure if it's always passive aggression. I mean, I know I struggle with this. Like sometimes I'm like, I don't want to say anything because what if it brings up waves? 
then I'm like, okay, I shouldn't do that. But I'm not intentionally trying to sabotage the other person mm. <laughs> in that silence. I don't know if that makes sense or uh, not. But that's the difference between absence and passive aggression that you're talking about there. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, or like the avoidance side, and mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So what could be some examples of things someone might say that would be obviously like passive aggressive, do you think? <laughs> I have a few, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> even backhanded compliments, you know, can mm. be things like say the wife's like wearing a dress and the husband thinks that the dress is like just weird or something, but he's going to try to compliment her about her and say like, I appreciate the courage you have to go out in public with that, you know, like you... <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> or just like i applaud you for you know like you know where it seems like it's a positive statement but it's really like are you questioning my sense of awareness of the way things look or my intelligence or whatever by considering me to be courageous or bold or something like that you know <laughs> Or there's statements where you might suggest something you want your spouse to do that kind of can go with those you never, you always things, but something like, you know, my mom used to do X for me in the morning, <laughs> you know, something like, okay, you know, I remember the days, I relish those days when I was a kid, and when I get up in the morning, my mom used to do whatever, <clears throat> you know, something like that, and to make the wife feel like, okay, um, I guess he wants me to do that, you know, because I'm replacing his mom and I maybe I should be doing that. And why haven't I doing that? Why hasn't he told me this before? But something like that. Or maybe the wife might say to the husband something like, trash doesn't pick itself up. You know, it's kind of funny. It doesn't, but... <laughs> <laughs> instead of like the trash looks like it's getting full would you please take out the trash for me thank you something like that more direct more pleasant request rather than a hidden insult of why aren't you doing this you know so <laughs> i just wanted to clarify a little bit okay so i was thinking that passive aggression was more of a silent way okay. of putting the other person <laughs> down yeah so like more behavior type thing yeah or like attitude could, maybe i think yeah it's kind of like the intention there is kind of masked by the actual action or the words mm. i think so passive aggression could be a dimension silence or something it could be through mannerisms but it could also be like someone can say things in a passive aggressive way and stuff so what they're wanting to communicate is masked by the way they word things so that they're not being direct with what they're really meaning i think mm. if that's a way to be passive aggressive with words but <laughs> yeah that makes sense so i was thinking that an example of more of the silent part of passive aggressive could be you know if the <laughs> husband told the wife she can't buy a certain sweater or something and then the wife <laughs> responds by not making dinner for the husband oh, yeah, for the next that's... three days but yeah. she doesn't say anything <laughs> her behavior is just responding in a negative way back towards her spouse yeah. and it's kind of like, I'm going to punish you because you did this to me type of thing, but it's not necessarily obvious in some ways. And I think those ones, oh, yeah. and I think that <laughs> women, we probably struggle with this the most because we can feel offended easily. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, oh, 
all right, well, if he doesn't love me or he doesn't think like this, then I'm going to do this. And Mm. I just think that a lot of it is silent. Mm. It's something that it's your attitude. And so a lot of times we're the only ones that are aware that we're acting like this. Mm. So I think this part is kind of hard too, because you have to be really self-aware of, Mm. okay, is my attitude or my actions now going to tear down my spouse or is this going to build them up? And just thinking of that and yeah, yeah, definitely something challenging and convicting to think about. There's probably a huge range and spectrum of what would go under the umbrella of passive aggressive. So yeah. the examples I gave were things that were more obvious. But yeah, you mentioned actions and stuff where it may not be as obvious the connection. But in either case, it's like instead of directly pointing out, there's a lot of indirect punishment or indirect cutting and stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's great that we both view this differently (laughs) because I think the examples you gave are probably more examples that you see guys say and do. Mm -hmm. And then where I'm thinking from is where women may struggle more. So I think it just gives that view of what both men and women can struggle with and what the different forms of passive aggression can look like in the different genders, (laughs) male and female genders. (laughs) Yeah. So we have two more uh, points on the negative silence that we've kind of gathered from the Focus on the Family article. The next one is power or control. And this is definitely a form of emotional abuse. And yeah, I mentioned a previous episode about physical abuse and emotional abuse. And you can't really say that one is worse than the other, but especially it's kind of hard to have physical abuse without emotional abuse. And emotional abuse could be in many cases worse than physical abuse. So the spouse can, as an example of this for power or control, use silence or cold shoulder until the other one gives in to his desires, like a command or a request or, you know, a grandiose idea he might want to implement that she might be hesitant about. (laughs) Of course, I'm I'm the guy, so I'm speaking as if, you know, (laughs) the problem is coming from the husband, but... But this puts the blame and responsibility on the victim, kind of making the victim be the aggressor, you know. And seems like a lot of the politics in this country are kind of an example of this. Everything's power and control. Everything is making victims into oppressors and so on. But So I have some verses about this for power and control because usually someone who's enacting power or control over someone else is someone who hasn't learned how to control himself. You know, someone's trying to control others. It's usually because he hasn't control himself. So he's got to enact his power or control on other people. And Proverbs twenty five twenty eight is... He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. And so it's kind of showing that, hey, the person who thinks he's all that, he's all powerful, he's trying to control other people, but he can't control himself. So he's actually as vulnerable as if it's a city with no defense. So, you know, it kind of exposes the true vulnerability of the person who's trying to use power or control. 
And also another verse is Proverbs 16.32. It says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit, or controls himself, than he that taketh a city. (laughs) So someone who knows how to use self-control and not be exuding power or control over others is someone who's better than someone who's a mighty warrior and can take over a city. So... (laughs) Castle Rock Women's Health is a pro-women and pro-life clinic and ministry serving women of all ages and backgrounds in the community of Castle Rock, Colorado and the surrounding areas. Castle Rock Women's Health offers well-women care, prenatal care, extended postpartum care, licensed clinical Christian counseling, fertility awareness, hormone therapy, childbirth classes, STI testing and treatment, ultrasounds, and even the abortion pill reversal. Castle Rock Women's Health uses your generosity to offer services at little to no cost for many women in situations where insurance is not available. But Castle Rock Women's Health needs your help. To serve women better in the community, Castle Rock Women's Health is looking to move into a new office. Please consider a charitable donation to help Castle Rock Women's Health offer life-affirming care and reach more women with the love of Jesus Christ by going to givesendgo.com forward slash CRWH. That's givesendgo.com forward slash CRWH and be a blessing to women in need. For more information about Castle Rock Women's Health, please visit our website at crwomenshealth.com. Thank you so much. So this is kind of an interesting form of negative silence, too, in that you're using silence to Hmm. impart power or control over the other person in a way that you're like, okay, you're having a conversation and say we're talking about going to Disney World and one spouse really wants to go there and the other spouse isn't agreeing at first. And so the spouse that wants this is going to give the cold shoulder or not talk to them or not hold hands or kiss or say, I love you or you know, withhold some of those things that we need, not only as human beings, but we need as husband and wife. We withhold that to impart a form of power or control over the other person until they finally give in. And they're like, okay, we can go. And then you get rewarded with those behaviors again. And then it kind of just becomes this negative dance between the husband and wife of, all right, if I want to get what I want, then I just give you the cold shoulder or I withdraw things from you. And then you finally give in and and it becomes a yeah. battle over who's going to give in first. <laughs> yeah. So the last point here for negative silence is that a lot of times for abuse victims, silence is a way where they feel safe because a lot of times they find that if they say anything, that could be a trigger for the abuser to become angry or violent. So they learn how to be silent and then they feel more safe. So this isn't necessarily... I mean, it's kind of a weird way to say it's negative, but it's not a good place to stay. So learning how to process through, okay, you're in a different place now. You're in a safe place where you don't have to be silent anymore. You can trust other people. You can 
uh, trust God and that he's going to bring healing to you. And I think that's kind of a scary place to be because Mm. like you're comfortable and Mm. you're like, okay, I don't want to step out there. And so it's a process like Mm. being brave and letting God help you kind of take those little baby steps to where you feel like you can engage with other people now because you are past that abuse Mm. atmosphere. Yeah, definitely. So you are because I know slander can cause someone to be like this. (laughs) But I know when we've talked about issues of like abuse or even abortion or something like that, some people can be silent for years. You know, someone who's abused as a child can be silent, can be afraid to say anything until decades later and where it seems like safety to keep things quiet or really like you're not getting the help that you might need by having friends and family that are trustworthy to know about that and surround. So those are the final points under negative silence. So now the final way that we could find that we can tear our spouse down slanderously is to assume motives. So assuming other people's motives or intentions never leads to anything good because it doesn't matter how smart you are, often assumptions without proper communication or discussion can be wrong. As spouses, we should be willing to clarify what we mean, ask about what we mean and be willing to, yeah, clarify it. So we already have an example of what this might be, uh, assuming motives. An example of assuming motives. Now, I know that we could multiply examples, but do you have one, sweetheart? <laughs> sure. But I'm going to give you a quick trivia before we jump into oh, that one. We got the trivia. <laughs> <laughs> we do. So how many minutes, hours in a day do you think most couples spend communicating with each other? Like no distractions, okay. anything. So statistically, on average, mm-hmm. five minutes. <laughs> was wow. I worse than the average? That was a really good guess. Oh, okay. it, it says four minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good mm. job. Okay. Wasn't that sad? Yeah. I was trying to assume the worst, but like, okay, how low do I go on this? You know, yeah. Like I'm thinking 10 minutes, that's probably a long time for the typical distracted, busy couples in the world who aren't really trying to build up their marriage. But yeah, <laughs> yikes. Four minutes a day. Yeah. That's, that's not good. So spending more of our time, we have 24 hours in a day. Not that we're awake all 24 hours, but that gives us plenty of time to connect and communicate and learn about our spouse. And okay, the first one's a little bit short here. So an example would be, you know, during a day, the wife is showing kindness to her husband and the husband is suspicious that his wife is being kind and he's thinking, oh, she's only doing this because she wants to buy a new dress. (laughs) And instead of just being thankful, like, oh, wow, my wife is doing stuff for me today. (laughs) A lot of times we don't have evil intentions for our spouse (laughs) or (laughs) manipulative intentions. I mean, that's something that we do have to be aware of, too, of course, but (laughs) not assuming the worst. (laughs) In some ways, this seems like the inverse of passive aggression, (laughs) where it's kind of like passive aggression is like the action that one person does toward the other. And this is kind of like a passive aggressive inference. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So you want to give an example and then I'll give my other one? 
Okay, yeah. So, like the husband takes on some chores he said he would do a long time ago, but for no apparent reason. So, the wife has been, to use the word nagging vocabulary there, but why is it that you won't do this? You know, you said you'd do it a week of years ago. <laughs> but then, <laughs> finally, all of a sudden, he just starts doing it, and the, hus- the wife shocked, like, okay, I've been asking him to do this for years. Why is he doing it? It doesn't make any sense. So the wife then assumes, well, she can't assume any positive motive for him. He hasn't amended his ways and learned, wait, maybe I should do this to please my wife. You know, maybe he talked with someone who encouraged him, hey, you want a happy marriage? You know, do the thing that she needs you to do. But the wife assumes it's because he wants her approval to save up to buy a gun or a boat or something that the husband wants that the wife doesn't see value in or whatever, but it doesn't seem like it would be within their budgetary needs or something like that. So, you know, that's one example. All of a sudden he's being nice. All of a sudden he's doing this chore that I've been asking him to do for too long. Why would he just do what I want him to do? It can't be for a good reason. It's got to be, what is he after? (laughs) That's a good example. (laughs) That reminds me of a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Fireproof. Fireproof. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite movies about marriage. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, so another example I have about assuming motives. A wife asked her husband, do you want to go out on a date with me this Friday night? The husband doesn't say anything. It is silent. (laughs) The wife interprets the silence as rejection and responds, Well, fine. If you don't love me anymore, then why would you want to go on a date with me? (laughs) But if the wife investigated this conversation before just assuming what was going on, she would discover that her husband was just computing all the details about how to make this happen. He was thinking, Okay, who can babysit the kids? What time do I need to come home from work? Should we do a fancy dinner, a laid back dinner? Oh, I should buy her some flowers. And so he is just processing all these things. And that's what the silence was for. He wasn't trying to say (laughs) he doesn't want to go on a date. But it's so easy for us to assume other people's intentions yeah because a lot of men when i could probably relate to that is like oh but before i want to say okay let's do this i want to make sure all the bases are covered because it's hard for me to commit to something unless i know yes i can indeed execute that (laughs) and i haven't forgotten any detail that would make this difficult you know (laughs) so i think one thing that could help in situations like that too is to verbalize it to verbalize (laughs) or just even say And I say this sometimes too, like if someone wants you to give an answer about something, just say, you know what, can I have just a few minutes to think this through? Mm. And that way they know what that silence is about. They Mm. don't think you're just blowing them off. You didn't hear them. You're trying to come up with excuses not to do it. And then that kind of gives you that, oh, okay, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, and probably better for the husband in this example would be for him to tell the wife, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I'd love to do that. So can we think about how do we arrange to have someone babysit the kids or (laughs) something like that, you know? (laughs) But yeah, depending on the personality type, men will be often just thinking. I'll find myself silently thinking through details (laughs) before I verbalize. Verbalize or something. (laughs) 
So assuming motives, that was the final point for how we can find ourselves tearing our spouse down. And so now, to continue on the third part of the series on slander, the series within a series on how we can find ourselves slandering our spouse, how slander relates to our relationship with our spouse, stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso as we're going to get into the more positive side of all of this. What are some ways that we can build up our spouse? And so, How can we avoid some of these things preemptively if we're focused on building up our spouse? So stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso and God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.